Let's just have a word of prayer before we turn to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we can come and meet together tonight. And Lord, we pray as we now turn to your word that we will hear your voice written in the page. Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and that we will be attentive and that we will apply what is said to our lives. And we ask all this and trust this in your name. Amen. It just doesn't make any sense. How can a man be resurrected from the dead? It seems completely ludicrous, and I'm just not going to believe it. It's impossible, because it makes no sense. These are just a number of thoughts that will be going through people's minds this week. There are thousands upon thousands of people who've been in church services over the Easter holidays, because that's the thing you do on Easter, you go to church. But they wouldn't have believed one word that was preached from the Bible. See, a lot of people don't believe that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened. And at some point, all of us here haven't believed that it happened. Or possibly we still don't believe that it happened. But the resurrection is the foundation of Christianity. And we have all found it unbelievable at some point. And so did the people of the Bible. The big names that we know today... Peter, John, all the other apostles, they too didn't believe that Jesus was resurrected at first. Because it was just as strange for them as it is for us today to be, for someone to be resurrected from the dead. They all needed to see evidence before they believed. Now needing evidence is not a bad thing, and it shouldn't be frowned upon. Christianity doesn't ask somebody to step out into a life with a huge question mark on it. It is not a life that is blinded by faith that has no evidence. But Christianity is a life that is surrounded by amazing amounts of evidence and eyewitness accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Tonight we are going to be looking at the life of Thomas, who has been known throughout the years as Doubting Thomas. And the story of how he went from an unbelief to belief can be found in John chapter 20, starting from verse 24. But first, let me just put this passage into context. John chapter 20 shows us four different accounts of how people went from unbelief in the resurrection of Jesus to a belief that Jesus really had had been risen from the dead. Firstly, we see Peter and the other disciple. This other disciple is thought to have been John, the very writer of this gospel. They were told by Mary that the tomb was empty and that somebody had stolen Jesus' body. So they both ran to the tomb, found it empty, found the burial clothes folded, and the body was gone. They believed Jesus' body had been stolen, and that's what they told the other disciples. Secondly, we see Mary, who believed that Jesus' body had been stolen, but as she stood overcome with grief, weeping at the tomb, angels appeared and said, and asked her why she was weeping. And in answering, she turned and saw Jesus physically in front of her, but she didn't realize it was him. Until Jesus said her name, and then the veil was lifted from her eyes. Jesus told her to go and tell the disciples that he had been risen from the dead. Mary saw, and Mary believed. Thirdly, we see Jesus appearing to the disciples who were in a locked room. Jesus appeared and said, peace be with you. The disciples, like Mary, saw Jesus, and they believed. Every interaction with the news of the resurrection required more evidence for the people to believe. 
The word see is used 12 times in John chapter 20 alone. The writer wants us to see that the steps from unbelief to belief in Jesus are not based on nothing. But they find their foundation on people who physically saw Jesus with their very own eyes. And the last of all these people who saw Jesus was Thomas, who is our focus for this evening. And we are going to look at the steps to faith which are demonstrated through Thomas's encounter with Jesus. We will look at these under three short headings that can be found on the back of these service sheets that you were handed at the door. Firstly, we will see an unjustified unbelief. Secondly, a heartfelt confession. And lastly, a sure evidence. So if you have a Bible, if you turn with me to John chapter 20, and I'll start reading from verse 24. It's found on page 907 in the church Bibles. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my fingers into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. So the first thing we see from this passage is that Thomas had an unjustified unbelief. We can see this in verses 24 and 25. We don't know why exactly, but for some reason, he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus first appeared to them. And when the other disciples came and told him the great news of Jesus' resurrection, he didn't believe it. The reason I've called this an unjustified unbelief is because Thomas had been told this amazingly great news from eyewitnesses. And not only were the eyewitnesses, but these were trusted people. These were his friends. And even more than that, the people who told Thomas of Jesus' resurrection were people hand-picked by Jesus himself. And they had just been with him for three years. It was these men who became the apostles, who took the gospel of Jesus Christ and their testimony of his life, death, and resurrection to the rest of the world. He had just spent three years together with them, traveling and learning from the life and teachings of Jesus. These were ordinary men, but they were chosen and taught by Jesus, and they had been given an authority by Jesus that no other man had had, have, has had to carry the gospel to the world. But still, he refused to believe what they were telling him. He remained skeptical regardless of their trustworthy testimony, and this has earned him the name down the years as Doubting Thomas. However, it would be more accurate to call him pessimistic or skeptical Thomas because he doesn't doubt 
He simply doesn't believe that Jesus was alive again. It's impossible. He was probably thinking that his friends had been overcome with grief and they, that they had imagined seeing Jesus. Thomas doesn't doubt because doubt is an intellectual problem. When a person has doubts, it means that they have too many problems with any given situation or they have too many unanswered questions. But Thomas has a moral issue. When someone has a moral issue, it means they don't want to believe. It's a conscious choice they do not want to believe. That is why Thomas doesn't deserve the name Doubting Thomas. Because he doesn't doubt, but he doesn't believe by choice. And, this, and it was unjustified because he was told by trustworthy friends who were eyewitnesses that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. Now our English translations lack depth here. When, it said, when we read that the disciples told Thomas about Jesus being resurrected, we could understand that they maybe told him once. But in the original Greek language, it says, it uses a word that indicates that they kept on telling him. He was told over and over again that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. He was told numerous times that Jesus was alive by, eye, by trustworthy eyewitnesses, yet he decided that that wasn't enough. He decided that he needed even more evidence. He says that he will never, ever believe until he can place his fingers in Jesus' wounds. He demands an enormous amount of evidence that wasn't really necessary. Now some of you might be thinking, probably are, that it was 100% necessary for him to demand such evidence. And some of you are probably thinking that it wasn't. Well, I would say that it would be fair to demand such an amount of evidence if it were normal everyday people that were telling him this news. But Thomas had been told of Jesus' resurrection by the apostles. He had been told by men who in the end gave everything they had for the furtherance of the gospel. Some of these men who told him of the resurrection are the authors through the power of the Holy Spirit of the Bibles that we hold in our hands today. But Thomas had a moral problem. He didn't want to believe. Now to use an imperfect illustration, it's like my wife and I. She is far more schooled in many things than I am. And still, when she tells me something that I find interesting, me and my Scottish pride, I choose not to believe. I choose not to believe because I want to be the one to find out first. I want to be the one who's right, even though more often than not, I'm wrong. One day I will learn that my wife is right. But mankind has been doing the same thing for the last 2,000 years. We either currently have, or at some point have had an unjustified unbelief in the resurrection of Jesus. We simply don't want to believe it. Some go as far to say that Jesus never even existed. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus' resurrection, and you can't say that you're a Christian this evening, I would encourage you to investigate the resurrection. Look at the Bible. Go to the Christianity Explored. Check it out for yourself. Do you doubt Jesus' life and his resurrection? Do you still have questions or problems that can be answered when evidence is given to you? Or do you have a moral problem with the resurrection? Do you simply say that it's impossible so I'll never, ever believe it? Just like Thomas did. 
Well, I encourage you to voice your questions and problems to people in this very room this evening. Let people show you that Christianity is not a step of faith into the unknown, but it is a belief that is founded on trustworthy evidence on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. And if you have already made that crossover from unbelief to belief in Jesus, are you doing what the disciples did? Do we continue to tell others of the assurance and hope that we have in Jesus Christ and that others can have in him as well? As Christians, we are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And ambassadors proclaim and declare the message that they have been given. Not just once, but again and again. We need to tell our friends and family about Jesus and the reason for his coming to earth because the gospel really is the hope that the world is looking for. And we as Christians are the ones who have been charged to take that message to them. So having seen that Thomas was a man who had an unjustified unbelief that Jesus had been resurrected, let's now look at our second point for this evening. And that is a heartfelt confession. Verses 26 through to 29. So Jesus appeared to the disciples a second time, but this time Thomas was with them. Jesus shows up in the same miraculous way that he did the first time. The disciples were in a locked room, probably through fear of the Jewish religious authorities, and that can be seen from, this, from chapter 20, verse 19. So Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. The reason he said this, no doubt, is because the disciples were petrified. Jesus just appearing out of the blue was not a normal occurrence. People have to walk through doors. And, but he just appeared and said, Peace be with you. And what he did next is amazing. He turned his attention immediately to the neediest person in the room. This shows just how loving and how caring Jesus is. Not only because he made Thomas the focus of his appearance, but that he gave him the evidence that he wanted. Thomas asked for evidence that was exaggerated. He demanded so much evidence But Jesus, instead of disciplining him and being annoyed at him for demanding such evidence, he offered him the evidence he needed in love. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas because he doubted, but he gave him the evidence in love that he might believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Thomas's confession is the mountaintop, if you will, of John's gospel. The words are so powerful and so personal. Not only because Thomas finally believes, but because he confesses who Jesus really is. He confesses that Jesus is God. But on a deeper level, level, He confesses that Jesus is his personal God and his personal Lord. So this doesn't only show a transition from unbelief to belief in Jesus, but it also affirms his identity as God. And this is the opportunity that is open to everyone to believe in Jesus as the one and only God 
and as their own personal Lord and Savior. John has given us these accounts of people who crossed over from an unbelief to a belief so that we can see that the resurrection truly happened and that it's normal not to believe unless evidence has been given to you. John himself at first believed that Jesus' body had been stolen until he saw Jesus. And then he is confident in his belief that Jesus is God. So much so that he can write later on in his apostle, in his epistle, that which was from the beginning which we have heard and which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and which we touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John tells us that he saw Jesus and he tells us that we too can believe. Jesus then goes on to affirm Thomas's confession and responds with a blessing for all those who believe in Jesus without having seen him. The confession of Thomas and the confession of us today is exactly the same. That we declare Jesus as Lord of all and the one and only God. That we confess him as our personal Lord and Savior. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen but have yet believed. John makes this point clear because he knows that this is important both to the original readers 2,000 years ago and to us here in Edinburgh in 2015. Many people have made this crossover from unbelief to belief in the past. For example, Lee Strobel. His background was in law and journalism. He was in a high position of a large newspaper in the United States. He was very happy with his life. Until his wife told him that she, after investigating Christianity for a few months, had become a Christian. This, Lee thought, was the worst news that he could ever hear because he was raised an atheist. And he believed strongly that there was no God. So he started investigating Christianity trying to disprove its credibility, trying to show that there was absolutely no foundation, no evidence to support Christianity. But after one year and nine months of detailed investigation, he came to an understanding that there is enough evidence for the resurrection. Christianity is not asking you to put evidence against faith. Lee found out that the evidence of Jesus Christ leads to a living faith in him as your own personal Lord and Savior. He, he then went on to become a Christian. And he is now a well-known apologist or defender of the Christian faith. And last year he released a video that said, it would take more faith for him to maintain his atheism than to become a Christian. Because he says that there is a torrent a torrent of evidence that leads to the truth of Jesus being who Jesus says he is. So Thomas, 2,000 years ago, and Lee Strobel, 30 years ago, both made the transition from an unbelief to a belief and made a confession that Jesus is the Son of God and they put their trust in him. Their confession was heartfelt 
They confessed from the very depths of their own hearts that they believe in Jesus. The question I want to put to you this evening is, have you made the same confession? Have you made the transition from an unbelief in Jesus to a belief in him? This confession is a realization of who Jesus is. He is the son of God who came down to earth to die for me and to die for you. And the reason he did that is because Jesus loves you. Jesus is not a distant God that doesn't care about us or who leaves us here on earth to our own devices. But Jesus wants to be in relationship with us, in fellowship with us. He wants us us to be able to confess that he is our personal Lord and God because in him alone can be found eternal life and in him alone is the assurance of a better future that is yet to come. So have you made that confession? If you already have made this confession and believe that Jesus is your Lord and God, the question I want to ask you is, have you stopped there? We are to grow in our relationship with Jesus and we do this by studying his word, studying the Bible and by praying to him. Read the Bible one-to-one with a new Christian or maybe someone who's investigating Christianity. Their enthusiasm and their questions will push you on in your faith and will give you a deeper understanding of the Bible because they'll make you think of every little detail that is written there. Have we maybe become stagnant in our faith? Or do we strive to know our loving Savior more and more? Do we we desire to serve Him in a way that gives Him all the glory? So don't stop with the confession, but grow on in your faith. And seek to tell others of the amazing invitation that Jesus has made to you. And that He continues to make to everyone who calls on His name and puts their trust in Him. So we have seen how Thomas made the steps to faith. He crossed over from an unjustified unbelief to a heartfelt confession. But what is it that actually made that transition possible for him? This brings us to our third and final point for this evening. A sure evidence that can be found in verses 30 and 31. John has just used these four different interactions with the resurrected Jesus in chapter 20 to show us who Jesus is. So that we can acknowledge that he is the son of God and make the confession that he is our God. He goes on to tell us why he has written his gospel account. He did this so that we can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the expected Messiah who came to save the world and to bring salvation to God's people. That he is the son of God, the only one who was the perfect sacrifice that could take away the sins of all every single person who calls on his name so that we may believe and have life in him. John tells us that Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. These signs are referring to the seven miracles that are recorded for us in John's gospel. And these were picked out to give us evidence of who Jesus is. John tells us these Signs so that we can cross over from an unbelief to a belief in Jesus. But he doesn't tell us this as an external source. John tells us as one who saw and witnessed everything Jesus did during his three year ministry here on earth. 
John was there when the signs actually happened. And he tells us that we can believe in Jesus. It's true. He saw it for himself. John writes this gospel account as an apostle. As a man who was picked by Jesus to take the message of his life, death, and resurrection across the world. So we can trust John's words. Because he writes with an authority given to him by Jesus himself. He writes by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can have a sure evidence that is a trustworthy source. Jesus is the foundation of the Bible. And John wants us to see this. The whole Old Testament points forward to Jesus. The whole New Testament points back to Jesus and then from Jesus to the future glory that we've been promised through him. The Bible is not a random compilation of stories that are nice and lovely, that are there to make us happy and to encourage us. But these are eyewitness accounts, intelligent people's evidence of Jesus' life, accounts written down for us by hand-picked men of Jesus himself, so that we can look and that we can investigate, so that we can struggle with all the questions, so that we can wrestle with everything, and that we can come to the understanding that Jesus is the Son of God, who was sent to the world to live a perfect life, to die a sinner's death, and to be raised to glory, so that everyone who accepts him as their Lord and God can be saved to an eternal glory with the Father. The Bible is true. The Bible is believable, and the Bible is 100% reliable. Read it and see for yourself. Read about the amazing love that God has for his creation, that even though we are all evil at heart, every single one of us, and we have all sinned and rebelled against God, he still sent his own son to die for us. Read of the love of Jesus, that when a man stood before him and refused to believe that he was raised from the dead, looked at him with care and said, here's the evidence. See and believe. John wrote all these things for you and for me so that we can understand who Jesus is, that we can understand the immense love and the immense care of God, that we can believe and have life in his name. Jesus wants you to be right with God, but he's the only way And he is the only one through whom that is possible. Will you allow yourself to look at the evidence and see it for what it really is? As Christians, we are to take this evidence that we know and we are to proclaim it to people. We are to tell people of the life that can be found in Jesus. We aren't to leave leave it to others who we think are more capable than ourselves. But we are to tell of Jesus' life and of his sacrifice for our sins. And when we read and we struggle with questions or we wrestle with passages, we can take courage because we're not there yet. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian if you have questions that aren't answered. We all have so much to learn. So let's strive to show this evidence as it really is and help others see its truth and its worth so that we can be the ambassadors of Christ that all of us have been called to be. So in short conclusion, we have seen how Thomas made the steps to faith. We saw firstly how he had an unjustified unbelief. Unjustified because he was told by trustworthy eyewitnesses 
the men of authority known as the apostles, that Jesus Christ was alive. We are in a world that also has an unjustified unbelief. Are we showing people the evidence and same authoritative words that they need to come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Son of God? Secondly, we saw the evidence that Tom, we saw that Thomas saw the evidence and made a heartfelt confession that Jesus was his own personal Lord and God. We are to proclaim the gospel and show people that they too can have the hope and the assurance that we have and of what to, of what is yet to come in Jesus if they confess him as their Lord and God because Jesus is the one and the only way. And lastly, we saw the sure evidence that the Bible is. We saw that the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have been written down for us by men handpicked by Jesus himself so that we can believe in Jesus and that we can have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a loving God. That you don't ask us to step out into the unknown. But you give us the evidence that we need to see you for who you really are. Lord, we thank you for all you have given us. And we ask for your strength to believe and to show others who you are. So that they too might have the life that we have in your name. Lord, I pray that this week as we go about our lives, that we will be given opportunity to show others who you are. That we will have the boldness to tell of the salvation that can be found in you. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name.